to week number 217 of the two guys into friday's podcast my name is steven that over there is travis hello steve whoa you're so loud probably should check whoa whoa that's probably my fault hello steve that's better you can just talk like that the rest of the way uh hey guys i can do that we're tgif podcast we watch tgif 30 years after it airs this week happens to be no different as we've got four shows that aired back in 93 that we are going to talk about. That is what we're going to do today. We are. Today. Uh, before we get into that, thank you, Travis. This Travis, right across from me, right across from my computer over there. Uh, yes, yes. For, yeah. for the uh, for the theme no song problem. this week. No problem. Thanks, Travis. Yeah, no problem. No problem. I was really proud of that. That was uh, the, know, just, the same TGIF theme song that I've heard that you played, right? Yeah, yeah, no, of course it was. That's the I've same been, song. You know, I've been playing um, the saxophone for a couple weeks now, and I was proud of that. And I sent it to Steve, and Steve was like, "What is this?" And I said, "That's the TGIF theme song, of course, because I'm so proud of this, what I've done." And then I later shared it with my wife and said, "Steve was a jerk and didn't realize what this was." And I don't she think I was it. a jerk. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, hold let me on. find I'm my text d- message. I'm not you done sent yet. I'm me. not done yet. I'm not done yet. I shared it with my wife. And she said, Steve is right. You, that doesn't sound like anything. Let's see if we can find this message. So. October 27th. I get a text message from Travis. It's just nothing but an audio clip. That's right. I replied, is that the TGIF theme? And you said, F yeah. That was the end of the conversation. That's right. Well, obviously... Obviously, you were you were trying to be mean, but it turns out that that was justified. So, did anyone else okay. listen to it? My, I just said if you had listened, well, what I said is I, that no. In addition to Shannon and myself, no, I, no, no. I mean, once this, once Shannon, this is the first time once it's Shannon been gave out. me her feedback, I I realized that. Anyways, Shannon's, I'll get there. Shannon's played some musical instruments before. She's yeah, done. She she's done so for on the show. She's. She does. She has. She has done the theme song, and it's recognizable. I think it's recognizable. Um. Okay. And we're gonna check back in every three weeks. You're gonna do a new three weeks. I thought it was three months. I can't do three three weeks. Every three months. Every three months, we'll do another version. We'll check in on it. We'll see if it's improved. I mean, it's probably gonna improve. I hope it improves. Can't get much worse. Hope it does. We ready? What are we doing? What's next? Uh, next is when uh, you tell me when these episodes would have aired back in '93. These episodes would have aired no Friday, November twelfth, nineteen ninety-three. And then we like to see what was going on in the world that week thirty years ago. And I uh, only have one story, and this is a a, uh, a fascinating one. I didn't know a whole lot about this. You might know a whole lot about this because. I feel like you were pretty into boxing back in uh, the 90s. Definitely was not into boxing. You went to a Mike Tyson fight in Vegas in the 90s. I was 12. So you watched that fight and then you were like, I don't like boxing. No, I was just like, that was cool. 90 90 seconds of it. So I bet you still know about this. You might not. Okay. November 6th, 1993 was the uh, Holyfield-Riddick-Bow rematch. It happened in Vegas. It was outdoors. But the reason why this fight is so famous is because of the fan man. The fan man? Nothing familiar yet? All I can imagine is a guy, like one of those dudes in like a paragliding parachute thing with a giant like like swamp boat type fan on his back. You are exactly right. Yes. In the middle of the fight, yes. this parachute comes down from the skies lands on the edge of the ring in the middle of the fight. The crowd goes crazy. They're just running. They don't know what's going on. They just start running different directions. Uh, they go crazy, like scared crazy. Yes. They have no they think someone's like attacking someone. And then Riddick Bowe's like posse beats the crap out of this guy. Of course they do. While course he's they attached do. to a giant fan, while the ropes from his parachute are attached to like <laughs> the rafters above the ring. And this is in the middle of the fight. They go back to finish the fight after they eventually get all this stuff cleared. Sounds good. Sounds fun. 
Sounds like Vegas. The the clips are on YouTube. It is well worth the watch. And uh, that happened back on November 6th, 1993. That's great, man. Thank you for that. That's all I got for news. What about movies and music? What was number one this week? Number one movie. Still the same. It is uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, we will get a new movie next week. But this is uh, week two of The Nightmare Before Christmas. Finally, though. A new song. The song that we have been waiting for. Another Mariah, Mariah Carey, Carey song. been dethroned. Not another Mariah Carey song. It is a song by a man, the late, the great, the iconic, Meatloaf. Oh. I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that. So I think I remember, this song came out a few weeks ago, I believe. Yeah, and now it finally like hit a month the... A uh, two months ago, yeah. Hit the number one. It did. It did, and the song was great. The song was the song was good. Like full all like six minutes, no, six, like seven minutes for the video. Ah, man, good stuff. how long ago did he pass away? Not that long ago. Uh, it was like a year ago, I think. Oh, was that it, recently? It? Wow. It was fairly. I believe it was fairly recent. Twenty, yeah, twenty twenty two, January twenty twenty two. So oh, almost two wow. years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Any birthdays? Number one. No birthdays. No birthdays. So let's get into it. We've got Family Matters. This is our 8 o'clock show. We're in season 5, and this is episode 8. Dr. Urkel and Mr. Cool is the name of this episode. Start off, we're at the Mighty Weenie. Um, kind of a quick scene here, but I guess it does kind of fall into the next scene. But Yeah, it leads right into the kind of whole premise of the show, but it's not really that substantial. Yeah, Laura and her friends are sitting in there. They're talking about like their cheerleading outfits. Uh, she says, oh, Steve says it's too short. Some guy comes in, starts uh, kind of hitting on Laura. She's like, oh. definitely hitting on her. Not kind of, like, absolutely. Guess it's not too short. She likes it. She likes the attention. Uh, then Steve comes around, gets mad at this guy for hitting on Laura. Um, then the dude pulls Urkel's pants off in the middle of the Mighty Weenie, making Urkel trip and throwing an entire tray of milkshakes on top of Laura, who gets real mad. Yeah, we get another thing that they've liked to do recently, which is straight in the camera shot of Urkel, like full face camera shot of Urkel as he is tripping uh, in with these milkshakes kind of like into the camera, essentially. That's the intro. That's it. Uh, theme song, we come back. Now we're at Laura, um, still covered in all these milkshakes. She's getting home, and she's quickly followed by a very apologetic Steve who cannot stop apologizing how sorry he is that she that he dumped these milkshakes on her. And she calls him uh, a few things. The clumsiest person in the world, annoying, and socially inept. Yeah, she got, she and these are all said in a very harsh... I mean, she is, she is giving it to him right here. Yeah, and then she just kind of questions, Steve, why are you the way that you are? And he thinks about it for a second, and he's like, it's genetic, but also... There was this road flare that went off in my dad's pants right before he conceived me. Well, whatever that means. And then she's like, Steve, I think it's time for you to change. And I think she walks away, and then we see a shot of Steve just, just thinking, what can he do to change? Well, she, she, I feel like she's a little bit more direct. She's like, you have to change. Like, You need to change. You, you've got to. And he says, he's like, I'm happy with myself. Like, I don't, I don't want to change. I, I like who I am. But yeah, then she walks away, and he's... He's sullen. So uh, after that, we get a scene with Carl getting home. Um, it's probably about, I think we determine it's about a week later. Um, he's happy. He's well, he really says, yeah, happy. He says... And he's happy because it has been a week since the last time he saw Steve Urkel. I mean, he's not, I, like, I feel like happy is an understatement. This is probably the most happy that I've seen Carl Winslow in five years. Yeah. So he's like offering to like buy stuff for people. Like he doesn't care what's going on because he's just so thrilled that maybe Steve is gone forever. And then, uh, I don't know about that. I don't think that's what he's thinking, but he's just happy that it hasn't been, that's been a week. Uh, Laura comes in. <clears throat> she's like, you guys care or she's like I know it's kind of not gonna happen but can we host a party here Carl's like sure have a party at the house <laughs> I kind of got vibes of last week's episode where because Harriet at first is like I don't know what's going on oh yeah and, and then Carl's like yeah do it absolutely I'm in the mood and it kind of happens again right here yeah 
then Steve comes in. And uh, he's in a lab coat. Um, he's got this, like, bubbling test tube. Elixir. And uh, it instantly puts Carl in a bad mood. Like, flips immediately. Immediately. He, they get mad. They leave. Harriet and Carl. And then Steve tells Laura about this uh, concoction that he has in his hand. He explains it as uh, a cool chemical compound. And uh, he's been searching for the last week. He finally found the cool gene in his genetic makeup. And he has decided to multiply it, then multiply it again. And then, like, I don't know how many times he said this cool gene was multiplied. 100,000 or 100 million yeah, or something? Some giant, some giant number that it was just exponential. And now he is ready to drink it because he feels like if he does, he will become cool. He's ready. And Laura tries to stop him. She's like, you don't know. This could be dangerous. But he drinks it. Starts shaking. Starts, like, tweaking out. Falls behind the couch. Something happens. Stands up. His glasses aren't on anymore. He, uh, he undoes his suspenders. And then he begins to talk, and his uh, classic, dorky, Steve Urkel voice is gone. And he tells Laura, no more Steve. I am Stefan. Stefan Urkel. Stefan Urkel has finally made it to the Family Matters world. Season 5, Episode 8. Write this one down. You got a big this one is a, this, is, this is a turning point. This is, this is iconic turning point episode so from here we go it's party time now that party oh, that part, uh, right to the party yeah that party that eddie and laura had asked for it is happening in the winslow's living room right now and uh i, I don't know this is probably what another week did they say that but they don't really give a time frame here but sure we'll call it a week uh casey if you remember her She's uh, one of she's Laura's been in the friends. Last few yeah. She's looking for Stefan, and she's freaking out. All she can think about is Stefan or Kel at this point. And it seems. But we also find that like everybody at the party, yeah. is also just kind of like everyone for, like, is. Stefan has like made his mark in the short time that he has been there, and everyone is just like, when he gets here is when the party starts. And then what do you know? The doorbell rings. Everyone runs over to the door, but it's just Waldo and Maxine. Well, it's cool. I want to hang out with Waldo. I'd be all right with that. Yeah, um, Carl and Harriet come out with some snacks that are quickly uh, taken by all the partygoers. And then in walks Stefan, and he is looking cool. He's got uh, this, like, white suit on with that little, uh, I don't know, button-up shirt underneath. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, everyone is going... He's got, like, sunglasses on. He, I mean, he's looking real cool. The girls are going gaga for him. Maxine... Uh, Thinks twice, or is it Maxine Casey, or Casey? Casey, Casey, Casey. Casey. Maxine doesn't care about Stefan. She's got, she's got Waldo. Casey faints twice in this uh, scene right here. Just how mesmerized she is by Stefan Urkel. Everyone is just thinking how cool he is and talking about it. And uh, we hear that uh, it's been a good, it's been a good few days for Stefan. Yeah, yeah. He's he's really made his mark in this short time, and people love it. Even his parents have finally introduced him to his grandparents at this point. Finally. And then uh, then we get a little... I think he goes over and talks to Laura next, right? And just kind of like lays some smack lines down on her. Yeah, I mean, he they, they and they, they start kind of vibing with each other immediately. I think the one I like is like he like walks around to like check out Laura, like does a circle around her. And he's like, so nice. I got out. I got to walk around twice and then like walks around again or something. <laughs> so the two of them start dancing. A song comes on like a slower song or something. They, they do this a little dance and then uh, two of them kiss right there in the middle of the living room. They start making out right there in the middle of the, of the living room. This is, this is not kissing. They are making, I started to write Steve and Laura kiss and then I delete it and put they're making out. This is their, this is their first kiss, right? Maybe a kiss on the cheek before. Uh, yeah, probably the first kiss on the like kiss on the lips. 
But they're not just. I mean, this they're they're making out in the middle of this party. Well, yeah, they're making out, and then they're making out so much like they start to pull away. But Laura like grabs Steve, dips him down, and starts making out with him even more. <laughs> right, right. She is obsessed with Stefan at this point, and so is everybody. Everyone. Is yeah, yeah. All right. So from this scene from the from the party, we go to another night. Um, Carl comes in from work. He's all sad. One of his coworkers, uh, Joey Gonzalez, was shot. At a standard traffic routine shot stop. Um, he's okay, though. If the bullet was just uh, one inch over, he probably wouldn't have made it. But uh, what do you know? It's always one inch. It's always that one, one inch. inch saved his life. But he is uh, still sad that this happened. I mean, he's probably thinking this could have been me. This could have been anyone on the team. Yeah, I mean, and, and he's just a good friend. You know, he's a good co-worker friend that, that you know, we don't want to see bad things happen to him. Yeah, Laura gets home. They kind of share the news with her. She's upset. And, uh, well, I guess her and Stefan get home at this point, too. Like, they were out on a date or something. Yeah, they do walk in together. Yep. Um, Laura is, is really upset about the whole thing. But uh, Stefan doesn't even seem like it's, uh, I don't know, affecting well, him at all. What happens, what happens here is, you know, so Stefan kind of goes and sits on the couch. He's not really part of this conversation. But Carl's like, you know, I want to go to the hospital. I want, you know, there's going to be some other guys there. I want us to be there for... Um, you know, for my friend here. And so, you know, Laura, Laura's real understanding and, and is, is, is helping to, you know, commiserate with him. And so he leaves to go to the hospital and she's kind of feeling, feeling a little bit down, feeling sad. And Stefan's just like, Hey baby, come on over here. We can, you know, we can keep on you know making out or whatever. And she's like, Stefan, do, do you not have feel like, do you have any feelings for anyone but yourself? Or, you know, this is getting kind of old that this whole, this whole routine. Yeah. And, and it, has not affected him at all. She, no. um, she, and then she even gets to the point during this conversation where she tells Stefan, I miss Steve Urkel. Yeah. You think about yep. yourself way too much. I want Steve back. Yeah. And, uh, Stefan reaches into his, uh, jacket pocket. I think he's wearing a jacket at this point. And he's like, I have an elixir. It's never been tested. But if I don't have my sweet Laura Winslow, I have nothing, and I am okay taking this. There's a little, and you know what's weird here? He he makes a big one. He makes a 180 pretty quick because at first he says that he doesn't want to go back to Steve, and then 30 seconds later he he says this comment that you just made, where he's like, "If I don't have Laura, if I don't have you, then it's not worth it, and I'll go back." So he he makes a pretty big. Well, yeah, I mean he's commenting. This week has been incredible, is what he said. I've never had yeah. this attention. I've never had people yeah. not calling me nerd and dork. And, like, it's just been the best week of my life. But I have to have you. Right. So he goes to take this elixir. Same thing like the beginning of the episode when he changed from Steve to Stefan. Starts shaking, starts tweaking, falls behind the couch. Um, much better this i like oh yeah this time it's that back and forth right yeah yeah because the first time we didn't really you know obviously we knew what was going to happen but the first time you watch it you don't know what's going to happen right he's just kind of like kind of gyrating and and having these moves and then he falls behind the couch comes back up as stefan this time though he's going like back and forth between characters so he's stefan he's steve he's stefan he's steve it's really fun. It's a yeah, really he's fun. Like, he's like talking all cool, and then he'll say like, "Did I do that?" And then he'll be like, yeah. "Oh man, Laura, you're the best." And he's like, "Did I got any cheese?" And then like just back and forth with that. It, it's perfect. It's so good. It is good. It's it's great. Eventually, after this back and forth, he falls behind the couch. He stands up. His glasses are back on, and he is back to Steve. And Laura is so happy to see him. She hugs him. She gives him a big old, big old hug. That's, I mean, that's the episode ending. It's just the two of them embraced in this hug, and that's the end of the right. episode. Um, and then they have like a credit scene, which is just like some outtakes of like the dance that they did at the party. They just kind of dance to another song or something. I feel like this was a missed opportunity. If they're gonna do like a non, non important, you know, credit scene, just something fun or whatever, they should have totally had Stefan do the Urkel with uh, Laura ooh. at the party. It's not a it's not a cool I dance, think. Travis. The air cool. But but that, I mean that, that's the joke, right? Like this isn't a, this is a this doesn't matter. This scene that they show anyway. So why not just show like a fun oh, yeah, outtake? I got gotcha. you. You know what I mean? It, it's not story driven. So so from here we go to our uh, eight thirty show. It's step by step, season three, episode eight, down and out in Port Washington. It starts off real quick. I do want to say this yeah. episode directed by Patrick Duffy. Oh, how about that? How about that? Uh, Cody. He's uh, getting ready to go to sleep in the backyard. Find out the van well, from the shop. I would say 
I say more so what's happening here is him and Brendan are kind of setting up like a mattress and like a sleeping area out back. Yeah. They're like making a room in the backyard. Right. Without Um, the room room part. Frank and Carol get home. Uh, We, they kind of, well, I guess Cody tells him what's going on and Frank's like, you can sleep on the couch. We understand. Did we say what's going on? His van is in the shop. That's why he's doing this. Van's in the shop, getting worked on. He has nowhere to sleep. Frank lets him sleep on the couch. But uh, Carol doesn't really want this. She kind of shows that pretty quickly. And uh, she's like, oh, the house will be a mess if he stays here. That's like her reasoning. This is the most ridiculous episode. I, I, the premise for this episode was really frustrating because I, I do not believe that in, in a normal situation, C- Carol, the character of Carol would even care enough, would absolutely welcome Cody inside. To yeah, she's going to let him right. sleep, but not in this episode. Um, right. But... Frank's reasoning is you're not even going to notice he's here. It's just, I mean, it'll be fine. And eventually she's like, okay, let it happen. And then uh, Cody, he's already told Cody that he can stay on the couch. So then Cody and Brendan uh, come in with all of his stuff from outside. They were setting up and Cody comes in on an electric guitar, plugged into an amplifier while Brandon's pulling like a wagon behind, playing Jimi Hendrix as loud as he can and singing on the guitar. Jamming. Jamming. And Carol's and like, Car- the look what on Carol's face did I like, oh, get into here? Yeah. Uh, so theme song, we come back. Cody's actually cleaning up. He's vacuuming the couch. Carol comes down and she appreciates him cleaning, but we find out the only reason he's vacuuming is because his uh, ant farm got busted open or something and uh he's trying to collect all of the escape dance that is correct that is what happened uh cody cody goes out of the room with the little handheld vacuum cleaner al comes down um i thought this was gonna go into a little more this episode she's like hey i think i want a haircut do you think you can help me out and she and like i need like bangs or something and she's like oh yeah like uh this model or something oh no i was thinking like pete rose so i can uh so the yeah, fly really, balls don't get caught in my... That really didn't go anywhere, did it? Not really, no. No. I thought this was going to be like a uh, owl wanting to look prettier episode type deal. That's what I thought it were going like. Oh, I want Karen to got in the way. Yeah. So Carol says, uh, one day you're going to get over this tomboy phase and be like the other girls. And that's pretty much the only thing it just sets that up for karen and her friends to walk in being the other girls and al's like i'm gonna go hurl and she goes upstairs right and being the other girls being just totally i don't know catty snobby self-absorbed yeah um karen shows her mom what she got from the mall she bought four almost identical blue sweaters just a little tiny bit one was blue green one was aquamarine one was teal and one was green blue right i don't know if those are right i'm pretty close very subtle you're close you're close especially for for a guy we don't know colors um karen and her friends go upstairs and uh i wrote or i guess karen's friends go upstairs and then karen goes in the kitchen to get snacks that's what happens Yes. We go to the kitchen where Dana and her friend Kevin are working on some flyers. They're going to be volunteering at like a soup kitchen or something like that. Well, they already do. They already volunteer at this mission and they're they're just creating flyers to help promote it. Yep. So, uh, I don't know. Quick conversation. Karen, obviously. Well, I think the, the thing here is that Karen immediately is like, who is that dude and why are we not dating? Yeah, this is after Kevin leaves. So Kevin leaves. Karen like talks to Dana. She's very interested in uh, Kevin. And Dana's like, you have no chance with him. And then like Karen's just like cutting Dana off. Like, oh, you don't think I have a chance? Well, let me show you how things are done. And, and Dana says specifically, like, he is not going to ask you out. Like, I, I know that. And he's try- she's trying to explain more. But like you said, Karen just won't let her. Uh, it's nighttime now. JT is getting ready to go to the movies. Uh, Frank's like, who are you going to the movies with? Cody? And he's like, no. If I, anytime I go to the movies with Cody, he gets all the girls. I got a new plan. Down comes Mark. Ready to go to the movies with JT. And he's like, if Mark's going to the movies with me, all the girls are going to be on me. Exactly. Good good plan. I'm all right with Not it. Not a bad plan. It's like bringing a puppy, I guess. Yeah. Um, so they leave. They go off to the movies. Uh, Frank looks around, listens for a second, and he finally believes the unthinkable has happened. 
he and Carol might have the entire house alone. So calls down Carol. They start making out on the couch. And seconds later, Cody comes home. He just got done working out. He's all sweaty. Sits right down on the couch next to them. Puts his arm around Frank. And Frank's like, Cody, all we want is some alone time. Can't you just like go upstairs? And he's like, oh, yeah, no problem. I'll go up and st- I'll go upstairs. I'll just crash on your bed. And he's like, oh, no, not that. Go- why don't you go take a shower first? And he's like, oh, man, I'm so tired. I can't take a shower. I'll just I'll just lay on your bed. No problem. This also makes no sense at all. Like, <laughs> why not just let Cody hang out downstairs and you and your wife go upstairs and relax? They and, were in the middle of Casablanca. I guess they were watching a movie and they got rid of the TV in the uh, in the bedroom. So that's fair. Uh, Yeah. So Cody goes upstairs to crash on their bed. From here, we're at the soup kitchen. Dana and Karen are there volunteering. Karen is trying to uh, give makeovers to all the uh, people that are there. And I really appreciated this. I thought this was Karen finding yeah. something that she enjoys and finding a way to help people, you know, with what they were doing. I, I appreciated what Karen did here. I think that uh, I wish they kind of leveraged this a little bit more for the rest of the storyline. But I'm sure this lady's about to go out on a date looking for dudes, probably going to like but a. No, but that's not the point. A what she mixer. Did- what she did was she made her feel good about herself because she's like, here's some stuff. Here's my suggestions. And I think you'll look great. And you already do look great. And so she was, you know, I'm sure this woman probably hasn't heard those kind of compliments in a long time. And I think that that Karen was making her feel good about herself, which is important. It's something that I think is good. So Karen then goes over to start serving food with Dana. And while she's after she starts doing that, Kevin comes in and introduces his girlfriend. Cheryl. Yeah. So this whole time, Kevin already had a girlfriend. Um, that's what Dana was going to tell Karen before Karen interrupted and tried to say that she had a chance with him. And uh, now she finally has figured it out. The two, uh, Kevin and Car- Carolyn, Carol, what's her name? Cheryl. Cheryl. They, uh, they, they say, hey, you guys got control of this. We're going to go get some lunch, which I don't understand. But anyways. They go get some lunch and uh, what leaves. Do you mean? They're like, well, they're going to go get lunch while they everybody else does stuff. How long is this volunteer session where they have to go take a lunch break for? I feel like they're they're probably like higher up in the volunteer ring. Like they come, they get things set up, they get you know start things rolling, and then like Kevin's going to go take a break and then come back later while while Care, uh, Dana and Karen handle things. If you're going to volunteer, volunteer. Um, you can't. You can still take a break. You get break at lunch. Nah, you're fine. Um. Where Karen's just like, oh, like, well, she's not, she's mad at, she's like real mad at Dana right now. Real mad at Dana. Uh, We go from here to Cody, who's doing laundry in the kitchen. He's got strings hung up from each corner to corner. All of his clothes, underwear lined up on the line. Um, Carol, I wrote Karen comes in. That's not right, though. Carol comes in, right? It's Carol. Carol comes in. She's mad at Cody. Why are you taking up my kitchen? What are you doing in here? Frank uh, Frank is like, let me go talk to Cody. So he takes Cody out of the room. And then Karen and Dana get he home. He takes him out of the house. He takes him for a drive. Oh, yeah. He's like, let's go to Alaska or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, Karen and Dana get home. Karen, of course, is still mad at Dana. And uh, Karen's like, wait till you hear this, Mom. And she explains to her mom what happened. And... Uh, it just makes Karen look like the bad one. I mean, Dana's like, I'll be upstairs waiting for my whooping. Yeah. Uh, and Carol explains to Karen, I mean, why she's in the wrong and uh, makes her feel pretty bad. Like maybe she think maybe she has realized that she wasn't doing the right. thing. I don't know if Karen realized it right at this second, but she's no, well on her way. I feel like she's thinking yeah. at this point. Like they show us. Uh, she's she's starting to think, but I don't think she's quite there yet. It was the same look on her face that Steve had when uh, Laura told him that he needed to go to change his life. Like the exact same thought. Like maybe exactly the same. Put them put them side by side. They were both getting yelled at by people and both being told to change. But one was you're right. But one was for the but for I mean Carol is much more to the right, whereas Laura was not in the right at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, All right, so. Cody's in the kitchen. Another scene. Uh, Frank uh, was going to take Cody to go get his van, but Cody gets off the phone, has to break the news to Frank. While they were repairing it, they determined 
can't be done. Lucille, Lucille, that's her name, right? That is the van's name. The van has died. R.I.P. Lucille. We talked about this. Is there significance to the name Lucille? Like why people use it for like objects I mean, and shows? The, I think from from my knowledge, from my like cultural zeitgeist, like the name Lucille is always referenced as B.B. King's guitar. I think it has oh, been okay. B.B. King's okay. guitar's name for decades upon decades. So I think that most people, especially somebody like Cody, a musician, a guitar player, is going to, you know, go back to that but i think that that's kind of a lot where it comes from yeah and then i mean i don't know walking dead uh negan called his bat oh, his bat, bat lucille yeah. I, I i'm gonna i'm gonna go as far as to say it came comes from the bbk I, I bet you're right no i bet you're right but i don't know if he got it somewhere you know what i mean like i don't know if there was something more yeah germane to him so all right so breaks the news van's dead not going to be able to get it back uh well it's not going to work and cody doesn't know what to do he's like i now i really have nowhere to stay my van's not coming back what am i going to do and frank's like don't worry cody you can sleep on the couch as long as you need to i don't think carol's gonna be okay with that um carol gets home so happy Kind of like uh, how happy that Carl was when uh, he found out. Well, when he realized that Steve hasn't been around for this long amount of time, I'm so happy. Carol has finally real, well, not finally, but Carol is now at the point where she's so happy because Cody's going to be out of the house. Yeah, she's thrilled. But we know that's not happening because Frank just offered the couch to uh, Cody once again. Um. She's bought champagne. She's ready to celebrate. She's ready to party. She's ready to throw a party over this. And then Frank breaks the news to her, and she is real mad at first, but eventually understands. Well, not really. She's like, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say she gets to a good place here. She's just like, I think she. I think the best thing we can say here is she's defeated. She just feels defeated. Fine, Frank. It's fine. I'm just gonna go get my own apartment. You can come visit. When, right. You can come visit whenever you want. Uh, Cody comes in to talk to the two of them and tells them both, "Thank you guys. I really appreciate this offer, but you guys have been getting on my nerves so much this last week. <laughs> There's no way that I can stay here anymore. Like, everywhere I go in this house, there you are. I get no privacy, none. You guys are too much. I need my space. And you know what? Even though it doesn't run, I can still live in the van." in the yard and carol is thrilled with this decision she's like i will i will call the tow truck i will pay for the tow truck get it to the shop now to get your van home i'll do it for you he's like no 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 i'll push i gotta push it myself so we go a little later uh oh i do want to say they do have this kind of weird this it's it's actually a really fun conversation about the him being annoyed and so then he goes to leave but he does pop his head back in just because to say one more time that he really appreciates and loves him for for you know being supportive of him uh, new scene, doorbell rings, it's Karen's friends, they are there to go to the mall once again, Karen comes down, and she's like, I don't feel like going, you guys just go to the mall without me, and they're, they're very confused, because they know that Karen loves the mall, but they listen to her, they go off to the mall, and Karen asks her mom, um, am I like those girls? Is that like what, is that what I'm like? And she tells him something, that like, Karen tells her mom that, She's been thinking a whole lot, and she realizes that she needs to change. Well, Carol, though, too, I think is important because Karen says what you said. Like, is that what I sound like? You know, is that what's going on? And Carol says, "Yeah, sometimes you do sound like that." And and we know you're a good person, but you do sound like that a lot. And then for a second, I didn't know where this was going. She's like, "Mom, can I get a ride to the mall?" I'm like, "What?" Didn't she just say she didn't want that? But she's like, "I need to return some stuff." Yeah. Maybe take back one of these blue sweaters. And then her mom's like, one of them? She's like, all right, two. Two of them? All right, I'll return three of them. And then her mom's just like, baby steps. And that's it. Yeah. That's the end of the episode. We do get a credit scene, though, with uh, Cody, who is in the backyard. He is uh, roping off an area, and he is making plans to uh, make this entire backyard his house now. He's, like, plotting out, like, a deck and, like, a, a extra room on the side of the van. And they're like, you know, this is our backyard, right? Yeah, you can't. Do, this is our, that's our driveway. This is our backyard. You can't do that. 
Yep. So that's uh, step by step. We then go to uh, real, yeah, real quick. I, I while you were talking, I googled uh, the story of Lucille. It's a pretty good story. I think it's worth. I think okay. it's worth sharing real quick. So, um, nineteen forty nine, BB King is playing at a at a dance hall, and evidently back in the day before you know indoor indoor heating was a thing, HVAC. What they would do is they would um, fill a barrel with kerosene, light that on fire, and that would be like the heater for the building. Well, evidently, two dudes started getting in a fight in the middle of his performance, knocked the barrel over, and and the whole place catches on fire. Oh. Um, so BB King is outside of the hall. He realizes he left his guitar in his $30 guitar in there that he loves. So he runs back into the fire to get this guitar, comes back out. Next day, finds out the reason these two dudes got in a fight was because they were fighting over a woman named Lucille. Decides to name his guitar Lucille, and just, uh, you know, every guitar he got since then, he just referred to as Lucille. Oh, that's cool. That was a good story. Boy, as a reminder, as a reminder, by the way, one. to never run into a burning building or fight over a woman. That's why he named it Lucille? As a reminder, yeah, to not oh. do the things that he did that night. Or that, well, the one thing he did, the one thing the other guys did, which was he ran into a building. I mean, he got his fire. guitar back. He did. And he got a good story for it. But that's that's the story behind the name Lucille for B.B. King's guitar. Boy Meets World, Season 1, Episode 7, Grandma Was a Rolling Stone. We got Corey um, and Sean, and they're uh, over in Feeney's yard. They're picking snails off the uh, plants. The plan is they're going to go take them, use them as bait to go fishing. But uh, Alan's like, fish don't eat snails, and uh, Feeney has tricked the kids. Is that true? Like, if you take a snail out of its shell, a fish won't eat it? I bet it will. I bet it will, too, but I don't know how to fish, so... Um, yeah, they're going fishing. Alan's going to take the guys and, um, he then starts to show them like how to cast in the backyard, um, throws the line back, breaks something in Feeney's backyard. And then Feeney's like, Alan, mind if I, uh, take a shot at that? And, uh, he's like trying to cast into a bucket and like the first time Feeney throws it. it out there, nails it right in the bucket. And, uh, he starts telling, uh, everyone this story about him coming up as a fisherman kind of thing i didn't listen to it but i don't think anyone did well the key the key here though is alan is listening to all this realizing that one day he is going to be george feeney and that makes him sad yeah um and then uh they're getting ready to leave to go fishing Corey's wondering why eric isn't coming and uh his dad's like uh oh, eric likes girls now yep that's pretty much the reasoning so Theme song, we come back to uh, Morgan and Eric hanging out on the couch. Um, he's going to use Morgan as uh, a puppy, pretty much, to uh, help him pick up girls. And he as is... Mark. He's going to use her as Mark. Yeah. He's going to... Uh, he's training her, like, lines to say to help her, um, like, go to the mall and pick up girls. Right. My brother Eric is so cute. <laughs> um... Then we hear like a noise outside. It's this. Well, it's not a noise. It's like a crazy car horn. Um, it's their grandma, and uh, she walks in, and uh, it's one of the Golden Girls. I don't know which one. It is Rue McClanahan. Ms. Blanche Devereaux is uh, the grandma Bernice. Blanche is there. She's uh, the grandma of the kids. Is this uh, Alan's, Alan's mom? mom? Yeah, Alan's mom. Yeah, Alan's mom, and uh, the kids are all happy to see her. I don't know if uh, the Mrs. Matthews is that happy about it. Oh, she doesn't seem she doesn't seem upset. I don't get the impression at all that she is upset. I think she. I I get the feeling that she's a little upset right at first. That she just. It seems like she does this thing where she just drops in without telling them a lot. That is true, but I think to me the impression I got is that Amy is used to this. This is how she's accepted the fact that this is the way this woman works. Uh, I, I did not get any kind of, you know, hesitation. I just got a, uh, not again, kind of deal. Maybe. Um, yep. Yeah, they're surprised that she's popped in. Um, but then she starts like rattling out all these plans that she has to do with the kids over the weekend. She's like, Morgan, I'm going to take you clothes shopping. And then Eric, I'm going to take you to the auto show because I know there's a lot of girls on bikinis on top of cars. And then Corey, I've got the biggest surprise for you. She pulls out a Cal Ripken rookie card, baseball card. He's thrilled to have it. And then she adds on top of that, we're going to take this and get it signed at the baseball game on Sunday. And he is thrilled. I would be too. That's awesome. Yeah. So she's got plans. All the kids have things to do. 
and uh, we get right into it because uh, the next scene is uh, Blanche and Eric getting home from the auto show. Um, he's got a new well, it could be a tattoo. Uh, <laughs> one of the one of the was it a Ferrari girl, a Lamborghini girl? Like, I don't know. Some, wrote some her name that. on his arm from shoulder to wrist, like the entire arm. Hold on. Um, he's like, I'm never washing this thing off. And then Corey, he's just excited because he knows he's next. He's the next one that gets his little gift, his little trip to go meet Cal Ripken, get the cards signed, and it's happening, I guess, tomorrow, right? Yeah, and he says, I hope you're not too tired for the game tomorrow. She's like, oh, no, I'm ready. I cannot wait. Yep. Um, Eric goes off to the kitchen. Feeney knocks on the door, and he's actually looking for Eric because uh, he's like, hey, I need some ideas. I have my teenage niece coming over, and what can I do to keep her occupied, give her something to do? And uh, Eric, well, he thinks that he that Feeney wants Eric to hang out with her, and he's like trying to get out of it, like, oh. Because he assumes Feeney's niece is going to be like Feeney, and he doesn't want to have anything to do with that. Yeah, but no, Feeney just wants some advice for something to do, and he's like, oh, dinner and a movie. That's what everyone does nowadays. So we leave it at that. Yes. It's now Sunday. Corey cannot find Blanche anywhere. Like, where is she? It's time to go to the game. I'm ready to go. Uh, Eric comes down and looks out the back door, and there's uh, there's Feeney's niece, and uh, not exactly what he was expecting. She's a good-looking teenage girl, and Eric is thrilled. He knows what he's got to do. He uh, tells Morgan the plan. Come out in one minute. Here's an egg timer. As soon as it goes off, you know what to say. Runs out into the backyard, jumps over the uh, fence to go talk to uh, another, I guess not a guest star on this episode because she wasn't Felicity yet, but uh, whatever her name is. Felicity is well, Feeney's uh, niece. Yeah. So her, yes, yeah, I, I'm going to call her a guest star. So Carrie Russell, who plays Felicity. Had she is, done stuff it, before this? Um, I don't know if she had, honestly. I don't know what she had done. I think she, I feel like she was more of a child actor, though. Yeah, I'm going to call her Felicity. Uh, I will tell you right now, though, I, I didn't think she was that great in this as an actress. No, I thought she was good. Uh, well, at least this first scene. I mean, I feel like she's trying her hardest not to laugh through most of it. Um, and then it just yeah, because like, he starts showing off. He's like throwing like yeah. bags of dirt like ten feet behind him, and he's like, "Mr. Feeney, I'm here to uh, help you oh. out. What do you need? Here to do some help." This was in. this was her second acting gig. Her first, she was she was one of the kids, and Honey, I blew up the kid. Oh, that's uh, right, wasn't she? But yeah, but after that, this is this is really the first like. Well, I mean, it is her first TV show. And this is all it took. She then becomes Felicity. Well, a few years later. So, um, he, yeah, he's just showing off in the backyard. Morgan comes out on cue and uh, eventually invites uh, Felicity and uh, Eric to the carnival. Well, Morgan's smart here because Morgan's playing the game with Eric. And then she's like, Eric told me he was going to take me to the carnival. And Eric's like, I did. And she's like, yeah. Do you want to come with us, Jessica? Who's Fel- oh Felicity? That's 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 the character. That's right. Yeah. And then Feeney's like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. I'm ready to go to the carnival, too, or something. And well, he says, you know, you should invite me, too. And so Eric invites him. And then he says, no, I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I guess they're going to the carnival. Uh, it's a little later yeah. now. Uh, Blanche is still not there. Corey's mom is trying to distract Corey by, like, baking, like, dozens and dozens of muffins in the house. Cookies, all kinds of stuff. Because she knows. Blanche lets people down. She promises things, and a lot of times it doesn't happen. Right. So uh, Amy suggests, uh, why don't you go call Sean, see if he wants to go bowling or something. And he's like, I can't. Sean's fishing with, with Dad. And he's like bummed out because his grandma's let him down. He can't go fishing with his dad and his friend. So he's like, I'm going to the treehouse. Well, there's something that happens here that I thought was interesting the way that they positioned this and didn't really talk much about it is the reason that Sean is with Alan right now is because Corey forgot to tell Sean that they were canceling the fishing. So Sean shows up and still goes and Alan still takes him fishing. What happened there, though, is that Corey did the exact same thing as grandma does, where he just didn't show up, didn't offer an explanation. Corey 
was a you know just wasn't there. Um, Sean makes the best of it with Alan, but Corey is essentially doing the exact same thing to Sean that his grandma is doing to him. Huh? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so if Corey, so the trip was supposed to be canceled completely. I guess it was right. You don't right. think Alan would have just gone with Sean? Well, I that's mean, what he, he does. did. That's what he like, does do. That's but what, if I mean, like if they if Corey was like, oh, I'm going to the baseball game, like it wouldn't no, have been just Sean and Alan intent. going. I don't think that was the intent. I think the intent was for them to go together. But I mean, you know, Alan, Alan's a good guy. So Sean shows up. He's like, yeah, sure. Let's go fishing. Who cares? All right. So the next scene um, is in the backyard. We've got uh, Corey. We know up in the treehouse. We've got um, Morgan and Eric and Felicity downstairs. Feeney's fence. And uh, Morgan is continuing to help Eric. uh, I don't know. Drop some lines on Felicity. Yeah. And it's working. She's liking it. She's liking what she's hearing. Morgan goes off on inside, and uh, while Corey is watching from the treehouse, uh, Eric and Felicity start making out in the backyard. Yes. Um, Alan and Sean, in the middle of this, they walk into the backyard, getting back from their fishing trip. Corey's, like, poking out a little further from the treehouse, watching from up above, and uh, Felicity goes off inside to Feeney's house. Eric goes inside his house, leaving uh, Sean and Corey and his dad there to talk about everything that happened. There is a good line, though, from Corey about um, to Eric, because Eric's like, how long were you up there? He's like, long enough to see you swap spit with a Feeny. <laughs> um, so let's see. I also thought it was really kind of creepy how how like excited Alan is for Eric. He's like, good job, Eric. You did a good, she's a good one. You got a good catch there. And I'm like. You're an adult. She's still like 15. So don't, yeah. don't get too excited there, Alan Matthews. So they go off inside. I don't. Was there much of the conversation here with Sean involved in it or no, not, not much? Really. Yeah. So Corey and his dad go inside. Uh, his dad sees the like 20 dozen muffins that he's baked at this point. And uh, Alan tells him that, uh, you know, grandma's been known to do this in the past. Um, well, I wouldn't say been known, but like this is what she does like this is her kind of her mo she does this a lot but the thing is she always makes it up and uh always shows how much she loves everyone and when she does make it up she makes it up right like she does it the right way it's just her this is her thing yeah yeah she she tells us he tells a story about how when she was a kid or he was a kid I can't remember what it was that she didn't like show up. Rocket to launch or failed on. Right? Yeah, but she ends up taking she ends up picking him up from school, driving him in the RV all the way down to Florida and letting him see the the rocket launch from Cape Canaveral in person. Well, no, it was the was, it was a permission slip that, that she was supposed to sign and send in uh, for them right. to give them permission to do it, but then she's her making up is t- actually taking him to a rocket launch. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they talk a little more, and uh, as they're talking, Blanche shows back up, apologizes to Corey for not making it there. Um, but Corey now kind of understands. He's okay with it after hearing from his dad all this stuff. Um, Eric runs in, being chased by Feeney, and is like, Feeney comes in, I've been upstairs for 20 minutes. And then Feeney comes in, uh... Alan covers for him. Blanche covers for him. Like, hey, Eric has been in his room for the last 20 minutes. Blanche Bernice, cover- that was, Bernice is the one that really, really stands up. For yeah, him. she's like, I know he's been up there. And then he's like, how do you know that? You just ran over my mom's four minutes ago. And he's like, and then like, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a good funny. She's like, fine, I'll go run over them more. And she goes back and <laughs> to her RV and starts like backing up and moving forward. Yeah, and then I think what Feeney like chases her outside. And that's kind of the yeah. end of the episode. Uh, we do get a credit scene here with uh, Corey and Sean looking at baseball cards, specifically that uh, Cal Ripken card that he got from his grandma. And uh, he's like, "How did he, how'd she get it? And she's like, oh, she got it from a swap meet for $7. Or maybe she shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. And that, that's kind of like the end of the episode. Well, that's because Sean's like, no way she paid $7 for this. This is like a $150 card. $150 card, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's where Corey's like, well, maybe she did shoot a man in Reno. Um. I will say though, this is interesting. We're getting a really and in, in the very what are we on episode five seven. of this show? Seven, seven, and we already have gotten this like really interesting look into Alan Matthews' childhood. We yep. know that his dad was like 
real strict didn't let him do anything like wouldn't let him stay up to hear about you know what was it a baseball game i can't remember what it was but some you know the baseball game wouldn't let him do anything where on the other hand his mom presidential election that's what it was presidential election that's what it was where on the other end his mom was driving him all over the you know these crazy events all over the country was probably gone half the time um, yeah, you're it's right. It's interesting how because much we know about his parents already into this show. They're using like uh, their past to show how they raised their children in the present. Right, which is not uncommon. I mean, we see that from Family Matters a lot, especially with Harriet. But maybe not um, as detailed like this. Yeah, and just and in such a short amount of time, we're getting this real interesting look into you know Alan specifically in his childhood. Yeah. So we'll see how that continues uh, through the rest of the first season. We do have one more show to watch tonight. It was 9.30 p.m. Hanging with Mr. Cooper, Season 2, Episode 8. Soul Shake is the name of the episode, and it starts off... uh, We've got uh, pretty much the families in the uh, living room, minus Vanessa. They're building this giant playhouse in the living room. Which is interesting, because are they just going to leave it in the middle of the living room? Yeah, that's not fitting through a door, right? (laughs) No, not at all. Um... Vanessa comes in. We find out she's got a job interview at like a record store up the streets. And then uh, while she comes in there, that whole house that they built just collapses. Well, yeah, because Nicole finds a piece and and Mark's like, oh, we don't need that. It's fine. And then it collapses. And then Mark calls Vanessa a homewrecker. <laughs> Theme song. We come back to Coop in the gym. He's now the uh, basketball coach of the school. I don't know when that happened. I don't know if they even mentioned it, but he is. Well, yeah, I feel like he's been a basketball coach for a while. Has he? I thought so. Um, they've got some new, like, uh, Korean kid on the team, and, uh, he, he comes in and says, is that Rufio? Yeah, we're not gonna mention that that's Rufio. (laughs) It's Rufio, isn't it? Uh, what's Rufio's actual name in the show? I'm just gonna call him Rufio now, probably. Sammy. Sammy, Sammy. that's right. Sammy comes in. Like you did with Blanche. Oh, yeah. Um... So Rufio comes in. He's got uh, some news that the uh, basketball team is ranked number one somehow. Yeah, that which is really weird because it doesn't seem. Uh, it's, it just seems out of nowhere. Is this preseason? They haven't had a game yet, right? Yeah, no, they I haven't. Guess, yeah, something. I mean, probably they're like, oh, they've got a former NBA player as the coach. They're, we're going to rank them number one. Right. So PJ yeah, comes in. Or um, I like former NBA player. He played like. 30 minutes. Uh, PJ comes in and uh, she is back with Victor, who we find out previously left her at the altar. And he is the new principal at Bayview High down the street. And the two basketball teams are going to be playing each other. And there's a little trash talk going on here. Correct. That is right. Yeah. So um, PJ and Victor are talking trash back and forth. And then Mark jumps in with some trash talk and this is where we get our diss of the week because come tip off time we're gonna make you sweat more than vanilla ice at the apollo (laughs) all right so after that um we go right into like a practice montage with the basketball team and it's a combination of people missing shots and then also checking out the cheerleaders is what it is for the most part so this is one of the things where like, like I'm really confused about this number one ranking because they do not look good at all. Um, and one thing I think to highlight that they show a couple times is that Sammy is just not like no Bad. one's passing to Sammy. No one's giving him the well. He's not getting a lot of opportunities. Um, and the only opportunity he seems to get is like down in the paint where he. I mean the dude's not a big guy. He's like five two. Yeah, and I think the other reason why they might be ranked number one is because they've got a like forty-five year old seven foot two player on their team. Dude, oh man! I, yesterday when I was doing my election thing, I was at a high school and this kid—they were having basketball practice. This kid walked by; he had to have been seven feet tall. I was like, he is getting all the balls. How old do you think this guy is on this basketball team, though? The real life one or the fake one? You mean his real life age or his fake age? Which, which guy are we talking about? The guy that I saw yesterday or the guy on the show? The guy on the show. Oh, he's, yeah, I mean, 30s. He's on the team. Um, that's my guess is why they're ranked number one. They've got this guy and they've got Coop. And that's it. Um, but yeah, they're bad. That's what this montage is showing. The team is bad. So we go back to the house. Uh, Geneva, Nicole, and Tyler are working on this playhouse again. Coop gets home. Vanessa didn't get the record store job because she didn't know who Salt and Pepper were. And she didn't then, even know who Ice T was either, though. Earlier in the 
conversation. Geneva's like, well, I think she mentions like not being able to pay a bill. So Geneva's like, fine, I'll give you $5 an hour, Vanessa, if you build this playhouse and finish it. And everyone's like, how is she going to even finish it? You're going to owe her so much money. She can't build this thing. But I think it's over time. So it's not like you got to pay her all that money tomorrow or at the end of the week. Uh, Vanessa's into it though. She's like, yeah, I'll do it. Sure. Yeah, because she's going to make a billion dollars. She's going to take her a billion hours to make this playhouse. <laughs> Doorbell rings. Um, it's Sammy, Rufio, and his uh, parents. Rufio. And uh, Sammy's parents, um, they don't really want him to play basketball. They want him to work at the market instead. They own, like, a grocery store. They want him to work there. And uh, Sammy has made this plan that he will bring his parents to the coach's house. So hopefully... The coach will uh, help talk them into letting him play. But uh, Coop doesn't really care because he knows Sammy's not good at basketball and sides with the parents. And uh, Sammy's pretty mad at Coop now. I think he does care in the sense that he knows that that, you know, that blowing off his parents is not the best move here when he's not very good. I, I Yeah, I mean, I just the way I took it was just like, you're not even good. Go work with your parents like. Well, yeah, he was care. like, I don't want to give you like false expectations or make you think that like this is a this is a future for you because it's not. Yeah, so we go to the gym. The next scene, Coop is congratulating the team. Uh, they, I guess, he just made cuts to who makes the team. PJ comes in uh, just to kind of talk to the team, pump them up for the big game against her uh, ex fiance's team, and says that she's real proud of them and she's got no doubt that they're going to win on Friday. And then we get the news. Uh, Treetop Cunningham, that 35-year-old dude on the team, he comes in on crutches, he's hurt, and he's not going to be able to play. So now they really have no chance. Somebody get Grandma Ma up in here, Steve Urkel. That's what we need. That's what we need. Spider, where, you know, where, this was, you know, where's any of the folks from that basketball squad once Spider's partner got, got hurt? PJ is now worried. She knows they have no chance. They're going to lose. Sad Sammy comes in, uh, knowing that he didn't make the team. Also knowing that he has to work at the store now. And uh, Coop's like, sorry, man. I mean, we had to do this based on skill. And then he's like, yeah, man, I get it. And he, like, grabs a basketball, sinks a three-pointer. He's like, wait a minute. You could shoot it wasn't even that good of a shot. I mean, The first one was shot, bad. Like, why, do they, it why is that the cut clean. they put in? Like, bounces, know, like, right? rim, <laughs> backboard, rim again, eventually gets in. Oh, man, that's incredible. Do it again. And then he, like, just starts sinking threes the rest of them are all good though i like how pj is like all of a sudden uh, you know the the coach she's like that's great do more. you're on you're on the team you're, you're you're exactly what we need not knowing anything about this guy except that he made a bunch of couple threes in a row he's like i mean that's great thanks but uh i can't be on the team now because now i'm stuck working at the store and i can't do it anyways right so we go to the store sammy's working Coop comes in, tries to talk to uh, Sammy's parents into letting him play basketball, and they tell him no. And he's like, what if I get someone else to work for him? And he's and like Irvin's in the store, and he's like, Irvin will do it. But uh, Irvin doesn't want to do it. Well, this starts with this whole like kind of secondary storyline here, because Irvin's like, I don't want to do it. They're, they disrespect me. They don't like me around here. And kind of implying that they don't like, they don't like black people. Um, and it sets up this kind of real, like racial, almost unnecessary racial aspect to this episode. But the whole the whole episode's kind of kind of borderline cringy, anyways, when it comes to like some of the some of the portrayals of of culture here. So we go back to the house. Vanessa has built the playhouse. It's done at this yeah, point, right? Two days. She totally did not milk this as much as she could have. Um, talks about still not having the money she needs, though. And uh, Coop's like, oh, don't worry. I can get you a job at the school. And she's like, I don't know if I'm right for that. And then uh, next scene, we're at the basketball game, and Vanessa's selling peanuts in the stands. Right. Um, What's the name of their team? Are they the Penguins? Their team? They're the I Penguins, right? Are they the Penguins? Yeah. One ping- of the teams is the Penguins. Penguins are losing bad. And then well, they're not losing that bad, honestly. The we don't we don't know the bad. score at this point. They do show it. They do show it. It's only like it's like fifty to forty. It's not that bad, and but they make you think it's bad because the, when they show the actual gameplay, they're getting dominated on the on the court. But the score definitely does not reflect that. Yeah, they need Treehouse back is what they need. But uh, you know what? Next best who, thing who comes shows up in. Instead? Sammy shows in. He's in his jersey, which I don't know how he got because he's not even on the team. 
but he's got a jersey on. He's ready to play. Coop puts him in, and Sammy starts draining threes. Just all over the court. Hitting them from everywhere. The team just finally figured out how to steal the ball. They figured out how to block. He's just getting all the balls, and they are right back in this thing. And uh, then um, Sammy tells Irvin uh, his dad's not racist. Because <laughs> Irvin starts going pretty hard on this whole like anti-Asian stuff, and Sammy's like, "No, no, man, but just that's just the way." Because there's this whole thing, and I, this this is this is honestly kind of a trope that gets played a lot in these type of shows where. There's a guy who's like, no, I don't like the Asian guys at the store because they never they like throw my money on the on the counter and they never hand me my money. And this is happens in so I many never shows. even knew this was a thing. Oh, this is such a thing. This has this is like such a plot point for so many, especially like more black oriented shows where this is this is a plot point where the the guy the the guy who goes into the shop the, the expects them to be handed their store, change right is always mad because the asian folks don't give them their money like they they put it on the counter and then it turns into this lesson where no that's culturally they think it's bad to hand you the money directly they think it's more appropriate to put it on the counter for you is that and a real so, thing uh, i think so yeah yeah i think that is a, that uh, and also what you'll see a lot in asian culture is either that or they will use both hands to hand you something uh, which I think to us comes off as a little you, bit awkward. Do you know if it's we're like, supposed to accept it? I don't know if you know the answer true. to this. Is this like an Asian in general thing, or is it like a Korean thing? Know. Or I, I don't know. I think in Japanese culture, it's more it's more common where you see somebody will hand you something with two hands, and you're supposed to take it with two hands, oh. which is kind of awkward in the way that we are used to doing things. Um, so I was trying to think, little, like when I go to that Chinese place in Ashland and I order food, how the old lady lives behind the counter, like how she uh-huh. hands me the money, and I think she does put it on the counter. Yeah, it's. I think it is a real cultural thing, but it is used, ad like it's literally almost a trope in a lot of these kind of episodes to create tension between the black characters and the Asian characters, uh, and and or, or other characters and the Asian characters, and then like you, it creates this opportunity for us all to learn about each other. Yeah, I'm alright with it. So. Sammy tell yeah. Sammy tells Irvin dad's not racist, and then Sammy starts draining some more threes. <laughs> draining threes all over the place. So then we go to the store, and um, the radio's on, and we hear a recap of the score. Uh, the uh, Oak Bridge Penguins win big thanks to the shooting of surprise standout Sammy Kim, and his parents hear it, and they are real excited that their son has been mentioned on the radio. Yeah. And then uh, Sammy's teammates and the cheerleaders come in. Coop comes in. He goes over to talk to Sammy's dad. And uh, they're so happy to see that he's doing well on the team. Um, Mrs. Kim is even mentioning that uh, now they can make tons of money like Scottie Pippen and open up a bunch of grocery stores. Because <laughs> that's then, what Mark was selling them. He's like, you know, Scottie Pippen bought a whole bunch of grocery stores for his his parents. And then uh, Mr. Kip fist bumps Mr. Cooper, and that's well. He does fire Sammy first. He does fire Sammy from the store first, so he can be on the team, right? Right. Yes. Uh, Credits. PJ and uh, Victor are uh, in the gym. PJ's kind of rubbing it in, and then they challenge each other to a game of horse. And she's talking about this shot that's going to bounce off his bald head into the basket. Coop comes in, um, and then then it just gets like kind of like sexual gross between the two principals and the two of them leave off and uh does this not remind you of the Irvin episode a couple a couple episodes ago where uh his parents who had you know a failed relationship and weren't really on good terms oh yeah yeah and the day da- like the dance right to, yeah to get back into it they were kind of back in this this is a little bit different like it wasn't okay. as quick of a flip i think they were kind of getting back into it already like in the beginning of the episode but uh maybe maybe but, I don't know but now okay. that you mention it it does it is very similar like uh it's very reminiscent though yeah um but that's it that's the end of the episode in the credits the part of the show where we do like to rank the episodes uh i'm not ready but i can be ready um, um, I can go. I can go. I'm gonna here. put step by step at four. Um, I'm probably gonna make a bit of a, a bold decision here with putting Whoa. boy boy meets world at three. Okay. Um, I got Cooper at two again. I thought I don't. I'm I'm really in the groove with Hang on, Mr. Cooper right now. I just think that the, these episodes are hilarious, and I'm really enjoying them. So I'm putting that at two. Uh, and then I think I, I think it's hard to not put the appear, first appearance of Steve Urkel. At number one. Stefan. 
So there. Um, I have the same four and one as you. Step by step at four, Family Matters at one. I think those are pretty obvious. Uh, I did switch Coop and Boy Meets World. Yeah, um, sure. Boy Meets World, two two guest stars. I got. I got. No, it. no, I get that. I get that. I totally get it. I just, I'm just, I'm just really in the groove. Coop did have Rufio though. It's so funny though. It's and he was already Rufio at this point. Oh, Hook already not... came out. Yeah. yeah. I think we mentioned. I think we mentioned when Hook was like the number one movie, like uh, at some point during the show. Yeah, last year, last Christmas. Oh, that recently. Uh-huh. One year ago. I think. It might have been like two years ago, but it was a Christmas movie. I know that. That's fine. Um, but yeah, that's our episodes. Um, thank you once again, Travis, for the theme song this week. That's right. Instant classic. Check back in in three months. Uh, we forgot to mention it earlier. TGI. I'll know more notes next, next time. Huh. I'll just, I'll play different notes instead of just one note. That's next good. Next time. TGIFcast at gmail.com if you feel like you can play the saxophone better than Travis at TGIFcast on all social media if you want to hit us up and get updates of where we're going to be live or where we're going to be uh, I don't know different things coming up on the show uh, what do we got coming up next week yeah full week Family Matters season 5 episode 9 Step by Step season 3 episode 9 Boy Meets World season 1 episode 8 and Hanging with Mr. Cooper season 2 episode 9 Check us out online, leave some reviews, subscribe, do that stuff, and uh, we'll be back for a full week of shows next week. We will. Have a good week, Steve. You got it, dude. (laughs) 